Hey there, audience. Welcome back to Sad Tales from Underground, episode 27, take two. Um, recorded for a bit, and then I realized that we were recording on the wrong microphone. So we're going to try this again. How are you? Lovely people. What have you been doing for the month of September and partial October? Did you drink beer at a brewery for Oktoberfest? I did. <laughs> XOXO. Alex. Gossip girl. Hey, 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 am I picking up on the microphone? Hey, hey, do you hear me? Yeah. Hey, hey, it's me. Mm-hmm. How's it picking up? Just okay? Fine. Pretty great? Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. Um, so aside from... Oh, Jesus. Uh, it was bound, I'm going to take a drink. It was bound to happen. Or two. Um, so like we said, yeah, we took some time off. Thankfully, uh, you're back listening to us. Hopefully, you've talked to some friends about us. And now that you've shared that and have some new media to listen to, we've moved houses. So forgive our possible sound change. And I think it'll be okay. Rustling as we are now sitting on a couch. Yeah. We doubled our square footage approximately. Maybe not. I don't know. Feels like double. The ceilings are higher, so I think we got airspace too. So our volume has really increased for sure. Also, all right. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're back. Um, my microphone was almost falling off the table. So like I said, forgive our... Kinks. Learning. Our bumps. Period. Yeah, we've... Like I said, though, before you so rudely interrupted me, we have increased our volume of living space, and that's great. Now, I couldn't touch the ceiling even if I really wanted to. There's no way. Um, we ran a half marathon. Uh, we did. We ran it starting and ending at a brewery, so that's exactly what you want to do. Unless you're me. After you finish. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you wanted to. <laughs> they had cider on top, I guess. It was kind of weird, though. I'm not going to lie. It was like if you went to the grocery store and got a gallon of cider and then said, hey, this is alcoholic. That's exactly what it was. And for some people, that's what they want. Nah, so. It's too heavy. Too much sugar. Anyway, we did that and we did it successfully. And I think we all thought it went okay. My toenail is kind of falling off now, though. You won't let me pull it off. Gross. Gross. Nope. Um, and then following the half marathon, you and I took a little mini vacay one night in Buffalo to go see Kay Flay, who is one of our favorite artists of the musical kind. Mm-hmm. And on the car ride up there... Um, we signed up for a second one due in part to your sister's in-laws. Right. My brother-in-law's mom gave us like this flyer for another half marathon that was coming up shortly after the one we ran. So we were like high on runner's endorphins and we we're like, yeah, we could do that. And we also didn't want to train again. And we were like, oh, we could put two under our belt. And not have to train for the second one so much. So we signed up for it. And then we just ran that one. 
last weekend? Last weekend. Yes. Which wasn't as fun as the first one. We become those people that spontaneously sign up for a race and also are like, I don't remember when that race was. And the people that just run outside because they want to. The kind of people that I just always hated. You hate yourself now? A little bit? A little bit, A little yeah. bit inside? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I guess I do sometimes. I think it's cool. We do cool things. People keep asking me why we do this. I get the question that's like, so you really like running then? And I'm like... No. Not really. But then they're like, well, why are you doing this? And I'm like, the best way I describe it is you and I used to do, it sounds so sad, but you and I used to do things like catch snakes and lizards and tromp through the woods or the swamps or like take care of wild animals like I did or whatever. Anyway, the point is that we did all this stuff that was like, not normal (laughs) by most people's standards and it was kind of exciting and exhilarating so i kind of like look for that now in different ways and also a way to be active well that too but i want people to be like kind of questioning my decisions and also kind of envious and think it's cool but also like you might be dumb and yeah i'm very well very well may be dumb But I'm looking for that kind of, I'm dumb in life. Anyway. And tomorrow I'm hanging out with my friend, Casey, that I've known since first grade. I think I've mentioned her once in this podcast. Oh, when I got asked to be a bridesmaid, I think I mentioned that. Does she listen? Yeah. She says sometimes it makes her nauseous in a good way. But, you know that good nausea that you get. Yeah, where you're like, I'm going to vomit maybe, but like, Those, I kind of like it. That poutine was worth it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't know if um, sexual deviancy crimes give people the same feeling as poutine, but maybe, maybe some people. Anyway, we're going to have a slumber party. It's going to be great. Air mattress? Yes. You're not actually going to sleep on the air mattress, so. No, she is. I'm not. Or this couch. Yeah. Um, with that, might as well jump into the shallow end. What are you drinking? A voodoo ranger. You're drinking the ranger? Is that a euphemism? Yeah. It's like licking the toad. That's not a euphemism. That's actually what people do. What are you drinking? Oh, boy. I'm not sure. So, I was going to have a glass of wine in my class. And then I decided to make a cocktail of sorts. Emphasis on the of sorts. So, I think I just went a little heavy-handed on all of the liquor. And we ran out of lime juice. So, it was supposed to be a margarita. It really just kind of tastes like liquor. Liquors that you like, though. Yeah, but it, it mostly tastes like Cointreau. I think that's what happened, was I put too much Cointreau in. That's what you got jiggers for. Well, I didn't want to dirty dishes. We have a clogged sink, and we can't really do dishes. 
problem. All right. Seslavai. Seslavia. Ah, ba 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 ba. My turn to go first. We checked. You're welcome. Alex is all about the continuity. I said, oh, I'll go first. And he said, no, 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 we have to be sure. So here I am going first by the books. We could have also been, for some reason, to- just like shooting the breeze 25 minutes into the last episode. So we never really can be sure. What? I fast forwarded. Oh, yeah. Far. You heard your, your resonating baritone voice. And I assumed it, that I was talking. All right. Jillian McCown, which is how I'm going to pronounce her last name, but it could be wrong. I don't know. Was born October 30th, 1982 in Drogheda, Ireland. It's D-R-O-G-H-E-D-A. And that's probably not it. Drogheda. 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 Anyway, I'd do my best. You got to throw on your Merida. I isn't she Scottish? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Semantics. Well, they might not think so. She's ish. <laughs> but she spent some of her child in Termenfecken. Hergen Durgen. Exactly. But it's still in Ireland. <laughs> so I don't know. That's probably wrong too. Then when she was a little bit older because her dad got a job in Perth, and whoop, and everybody knows that you follow work wherever it goes. That's how I got here. My dad got a job here. Um, in Australia, she went to Bull Creek Primary School, and then went to Ross Moyne High School. Des Moines. Des Moines Ross, see. Uh. After she went to high school, she and her family went back to Ireland, and she went to the University College of Dublin and got a Bachelor's of Arts in something. You say the year? No. The log- Semi-recently. The logical year that comes with the fact that she was born in 1982. Whoa. I scrolled to the, to the bottom. Um, with her bachelor's of arts, it must have been in communications or something, because she worked as a broadcaster for a couple different country uh, companies. And then in 2008, Jillian married a man named Tom Meager. Do you have money? Just a meager living. <laughs> I didn't get it at first. I was like, what? She married Tom Meager, and in 2009, the two of them moved back to australia they just uh they just need to pick australia or ireland they keep going back and forth so i assume that mr meager was from australia or they're just like i like australia we're going to australia i'm not sure actually that's a good question i don't really know he might have been irish it's hard to tell when they moved to australia she continued to do broadcasting work and she worked for the australian Broadcasting Corporation, which I'm guessing is like our version of NPR. ABC. Yeah, but that's not the same ABC, I don't think. Is it? What's ABC? What does ABC stand for? Oh, it's not Australian. American Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the NBC too anyway, so. Oh, no. But I think it's probably our version of ABC or 
something like that. I also don't know if it was TV or audio. Why not both? Porque no los dos? I don't know. Anyway, on September 21st, 2012, Jillian went to Brunswick Green Bar with her co-workers from the broadcasting company. After going to this bar, she and her co-workers went to then went to Bar Etiquette, was the name of it. And at 1.30 in the morning, she left the bar and went to go walk home to her apartment while she was talking to her brother Michael on the phone. Later in the night, her husband woke up and realized that Jillian wasn't home, so he tried to call her, and she didn't pick up. He called an estimated 80 times, which is a lot. Well, I mean, is it did he or didn't he? His phone records show. Uh, maybe they didn't count exactly, but it's somewhere around 80 times. And he couldn't get her, obviously, so he called the police. <laughs> Back in my old tricks. <laughs> it's back in me trying to dodge my sentences in between your burps. <laughs> I'll tell you. Hey, you can't control. Some people say better out than in or whatever. Isn't that in terms of vomiting? No, I think it's farts and burps. I don't know. Oh, Hagrid says that in Harry Potter when he's vomiting slugs. Mm. Hmm. Anyway, when her coworkers learned that she was missing, they went on Twitter. Of course, that's what you do in 2012 to help figure out things. And they tried to get any information and get people to keep an eye out for her. Additionally, they made a Facebook page called Help Us Find Jill Meager. And that was created to make a buzz about the fact that she was missing. Mm-hmm, right. In five days, it had over 100,000 likes. Which, like, sometimes I think about this. When you're on Facebook and someone posts something sad. Like. And you like it. Well, 2012, you only had the option of like or comment. Like or nothing, yeah. Well, no, in 2012. Love is and stuff, isn't it? Uh, was there past, thumbs like, down? Da- is there thumbs down? No. no. In the past, like five years, is love and hate and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you like something like that? I never know. Sometimes I put love because I want them to think I'm sending love. I don't know. My Maybe I overthink just, it. My grandfather just died. Love, love. that. <laughs> love it so much. Um, on September 24th, the police found Jill's purse in a lane by her house and they were like, what? This isn't right because they had searched that area previously and they think that someone just went back and put it there after the fact. On September 25th, the police got CCTV from Duchess Boutique, which was a bridal shop near her house. And on the CCTV, it shows her talking to a man in a blue hoodie at 1.42 in the morning on the night of September 21st, the night she went missing. Additionally, by going around door to door and all that, uh, the police found out that a person in the neighborhood reported hearing a woman screaming around 1.45 a.m. Prior to receiving the CCTV, the police searched the meager's home. It's always the boyfriend of the husband, as they say. And tested a couple items for DNA. And they found her DNA everywhere. I don't don't understand that, really. But maybe it made more sense at the time. 
And they looked into where uh, the husband's phone was pinging from and everything, and he got cleared. And then after the CCTV footage was released, for some reason they went back to their apartment, I guess, to see if he had a blue hoodie, or -hmm. is that stupid, or something like that. Again, they found nothing. Well, why would he keep it? He would obviously throw it out. I don't know. Why did they search the home for DNA? Maybe that's... I don't know. I assume you can determine how old a sample is. Maybe. I don't know how science works. I'm in marketing. <laughs> um, on September 27th, the police arrest a man named Adrian Bailey, 41 years old, um, because they thought he kind of fit what they thought would be... <sighs> Adobe really wants me to update my Creative Cloud. It's very urgent. Um, 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 my, 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 my. I'm blue. Yeah, blue hoodie. Uh, so he kind of fit their their idea of what they thought the person would be, and his background and everything. The police bring him in for interrogation, and after only a little bit of time in the police station, he completely caves and says that he strangled Jill on a street close to her house. Um, He also admitted to sexually assaulting her prior to her strangulation. They had this confession from him, so they were like, oh, this is probably our guy, but there were a couple other things that really solidified it. First of all, his phone pinged him at the same location as where she was last seen at the exact same time. <laughs> and then they tracked the 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 blue hoodie. No, they tracked the like path that the phones took and cell phone towers they pinged off from there. And they both took the same path after that and only Adrian Bailey's phone came back into the town later they found her sim card in his possession so they were like oh okay well this is him use phones that it's very hard to take your sim card out of such as an iphone oh yeah well you gotta smash it but um when they asked you know how did this happen he said that he had kind of made advances on her one article said he touched her bottom. I don't I'm really uncomfortable by that terminology for some reason, maybe because I associate it with my mom being weird when we were little. Anyway, he made advances on her and she wouldn't let him and she slapped him and that angered him and he went off. The police described the crime as brutal and degrading and she was pretty in, she was in rough shape when they found her. Um, after strangulation, he brought her body elsewhere. That's the path when they both took somewhere, and then he buried her in a shallow I thought, grave. I thought that implied he followed her. Oh, no. No. That was... He took her, and he buried her, and then came back into town. Um, in an interview, he said, you know, it really wasn't my intention to hurt her. All I thought was, what have I done? I cried, man, and I dug a hole, but I didn't cry for me. I cried, man. 
cried, man. And then he said, I'm going to jail for a long time. I hope they bring the death penalty before I get sentenced. Bring back the death penalty before I get sentenced. I have no life left. So just a recap on the timeline. So she goes to a bar. She goes to another bar. Um, she meets this guy on her way home. He, like, tries to have his way with her whatever. Do you see how close it was? She was close to her apartment. So that means she's probably seen this man before sometime in her life. Yeah, or he was at the bar. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Probably they might have gone to the same bar or something like that. Um, on At 10 p.m. on September 27th, Adrian Bailey takes the police to Jill's shallow grave that he built. Built? Dug? You build it. Um, and that's when they found out that she had been raped and strangled. At 2 a.m. on September 28th, Bailey was charged with the murder and rape of Jill. At 3 a.m., he had an out-of-sessions trial uh, that lasted 90 seconds before they determined he needed to go to a full trial. During his time in police custody and waiting for all these little mini-trials and stuff, he tried to commit suicide unsuccessfully. And once the media found out that Jillian died and it was Bailey that had committed the crime, the Media kind of had this huge field day. And here's why. Turns out that Bailey... He's done shit like this in the past. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It turns out he was on parole for a series of sexual offenses. He was found guilty of 20 rapes over a 23-year period, starting when he was 18 and raped a 16-year-old. And then 19, he raped two teenagers younger than him. 2000, he committed a series of rapes in a town called Elwood, where he raped five different prostitutes. And this is so messed up. He would bring a prostitute over to his car. She would get in, and he would be, he would then drive like a little bit and then park the car. And he would park the car so close to a wall that they couldn't get out. It's messed up. In 2002, he was given sentenced to 11 years in prison, which, like, I don't know, that seems kind of lenient to me, but what Well, that was just for those, that spat of five. No, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, but, I mean, when he, you said in 2000, Mm -hmm. he committed those five? Mm Mm-hmm. I assume that the time he was sentenced was because of those five and not because of the ones prior to that. Cause Maybe. they didn't have evidence on that. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but he was, so he was in prison and got an 11 year sentence, but he completed a sex offender rehabilitation program in jail and was released and later admitted that he faked his way through it just so that he could get out. Cool. Awesome. On April 5th, 2013, Bailey pleaded guilty to the rape and murder of Jillian. On April 26th, 2013, he pleaded guilty to a number of other sexual assaults filed against him from the past. 
Um, June 11th, he showed up for a pre-sentence hearing where friends and families of victims read their statements, and this had a giant amount of media attention from it. And on June 19th, 2013, Bailey was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 35 years. Later, in September of 2013, Bailey started to uh, started an appeal with the court saying that the sentence was too long because he t- didn't take any, quote, perverted pleasure in murdering Jillian. As Despite the- him wanting or asking at some point for the death penalty. He did not take pleasure in murdering her. But he's saying it's too long. I, well, I, he doesn't want to live his life in prison. No. He wants to die. So die. Yeah. Well, he tried. Um, he didn't take pleasure in murdering Jillian, as the judge had said during the trial. And, I mean, in one of the interviews, he's like, I didn't want this, but... Here we are. Yeah. On September 26th, 2013, the appeal was dismissed in less than 10 minutes. So they were like, I don't care. Um, by March 15th, because he was getting like more stuff going on with the previous sexual assaults he had, he had been found guilty of an additional three rapes committed prior to him raping Jillian. Uh, they were two sex workers and a Dutch backpacker who came forward when they heard about the the case Murder. and saw his face and everything like that. So he got charged with those and found guilty. Case face. Is that a thing? No. It should be now. <laughs> and um, he was sentenced to another 18 years for those other rapes and his term lengthened to 43 years before he was possible for parole have you seen this face help us solve this case see this case face i'm john walsh case face save space kill case face (laughs) 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 murder get it (laughs) um in july 2016 Bailey started an appeal against one of the convictions, and somehow, I don't know, he won, and his sentence was reduced by three years, so he's up for parole in 2055 at age 83 years old. Did that reduce three years off of his possible parole, or just his total length? No, he had life. But This was changing his possibility for parole. Oh, so three years pulled back on his parole. Mm Mm-hmm. They can't just like, you're going to live until you're 94. Now so you're going to live until you're 91. 91, yeah. you can get out. No. Um, throughout all of the trials and appeals, it came out that Bailey had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, alcohol dependence, and had been physically abused by his father and sexually abused by a female uncle. in his life. No. Usually an uncle. Based on what, the movies? And other stuff. Mm. It was not an uncle. Um, bah, bah, bah. ABC. Easy as. Broadcasting company. That's not the rhyme, but sure. <laughs> you don't think that's what the Jackson 5 sang about? ABC. 
Besties. He has a broadcasting company. <laughs> company rhymes with C. Company. Just because it starts with the same letter doesn't mean it. No, 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 no. C. Company. They rhyme. A yeah. rhyme is the same sound. Yeah, but you really got to like rush through no. broadcasting. No. What? No. Anyway, they put their flag and the Australian flag at half mast when they found out she had been murdered. Does Australia not have a lot of murders? I don't know. Well, she was a member of the community in the Australian Broadcasting Company. Uh, thousands of comments and posts were made on social media to grieve for Jillian and hate on Bailey. And around 12 million Twitter timelines? What's a Twitter timeline? Like your Facebook timeline. Oh, around 12 million Twitter timelines reference Jillian. It's a lot. Thousands of bouquets were put around the town that she lived in to honor her. And this is, this is a bummer. This is when it, it sucks to have a similar name. There's a man named Andrew Bailey who lived in this, a, a similar area. And he got a lot of aggressive calls and hates, hates and hate and threats. Do people not realize that the other man... If you did this thing, you're probably in prison. Yeah, I don't know. So, therefore, the number that's in the phone book is not... Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. But he was like, no, my name's Andrew, not Adrian. Like, I don't care. You're disgusting. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Legacy Australia, which is associated with the Herald Sun, so a newspaper, has this online condolence book. I don't know if it still is, but... Kind of like find a grave where you can leave like flower, virtual flowers on a grave? Um, It's more like comments and stuff. So they had a, a condolence book page made for her, and there were thousands and thousands of entries there. Um, Jillian's widower, Tom, started to work really heavily with the right, white ribbon movement, which I had never heard about, and I don't know if it's just an Australia thing or if it's a U.S. thing. I should look into it. Anyway, it's a com- campaign that adri- that addresses violence towards women and raises funds to, you know, help battered women and raise awareness and try to make things better, mm-hmm. which who knows if that'll ever happen. Uh, in November 2013, a police detective was talking about the crime and everything, and he showed a photograph of Jillian's semi-naked body look at this photograph yeah right um near he was like doing an interview near her grave site and like showed a picture of her semi-naked body like broadcast nbd and a lot of people got really upset about that understandably so and he called it an unfortunate error um it was the semi-naked and then fully clothed photo he meant to pull those <laughs> he had them both in his pocket yeah pick a card any card one of these has underwear and the other doesn't um in 2017 bailey was stabbed in jail because he's one of the most hated prisoners having raped over 20 women it's called shanked all the articles said stabbed or shivved well anyway he didn't need major hospitalization and he's fine and he never said who did it 
Because stitches get stitches. Actually, they did say who did it. Mm. And it was a guy who murdered two women. And this kind of shook people in the area because it was a small community. And she was just like not doing anything out of the ordinary and got murdered. And they were like, well, it can happen at any time to anybody, no matter what you're doing. And that is the tale of Jill Meager from Ireland, Australia, Ireland, Australia. Irela. Irelia. Sounds like Aus- really. Ausland. Right. Right. That was a good one. Now I get to do this. <laughs> now I get to put up my feet. <sighs> sipping on straight chlorine. <laughs> I'm sipping on straight something. <gasps> Do you have anything to say f- to me? Any any words, stories, tales? Got anything for me this week? Oh, I thought you were leading into something else. Nope. My story takes place in the town of Skidmore, Missouri. There's a college named Skidmore, but I think it's in New York. Probably. Or I've also somewhere heard of that. near. This area. I hear, I hear it's a really good school. It's like one of those... Is that the one in Saratoga? Ooh, I just spilled down my sleeve. Is that the one in Saratoga? No idea. It might be. I use a sock to clean up my tequila arm. Anyway, Skidmore. Which way are you sitting? I'm just thinking, are you going to... you plan on moving again? No, I'm good. Skidmore, Missouri, a... Uh, a small town about an hour and a half from kansas city barbecue yep is that where kansas city barbecue comes from or is it kansas city kansas is there a kansas city kansas yes i believe yeah i think so kansas city chiefs i don't think they're missouri i think they're uh, (laughs) all of a sudden you're like sports reference oh gosh i don't know it (laughs) is that baseball yes because that's the Native American one. And the other one is football. Oh. Redskins. Yeah. yeah it's a whole deal. Anyway. Um, that's my family's team. Redskins. As of today, Skidmore, Missouri is populated by 280 people. <gasps> what? At one point, was it 281 and someone got killed? In 1934, it was three or 434. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. And about to be 435. A baby. A baby. So on June 1st, 1934, Ken Rex McElroy was born. Ken Rex. Ken Rex. His middle name's Rex. Yep. You just call him Rex. I've most of my notes say Ken. Dang it. And he was the uh, the 15th of 16 kids born to Tony and Mabel McElroy. It was one of them named Rory. I don't know any of his brothers or sisters' names. Do you know who Rory McElroy is? Speaking of sports. No. I was going to go the other McElroy for Adventure Zone. No, he's a golfer. I've heard the name. He's a golfer from Ireland. I think. Sports reference, I don't know. Yeah, no, it is Ireland. 
She's cute. Um, Tony and Mabel, his parents were both sharecroppers, so I imagine they had all the kids to help them on the farm and stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. I forgot about that term. Sharecropping? Yeah, we talked about it all the time in like middle school. Yeah. Oh. You're just leasing the farmland. I forgot about that. And then you pay your rent with wow. whatever you <laughs> grow. Um, the family moved around a fair amount before they settled in Skidmore. He had a Ken or Rex. Did they have snow tires? No, they didn't skid anymore. If they had snow tires, they wouldn't skid more. They'd skid less. As far as I could tell, Ken had a largely unremarkable childhood, aside from <laughs> being the like basically the baby of the family. I had a 16. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but and also the family was not really well off in it by any standard. Meager? Yeah. They should have been Ken Rex Meager. <laughs> Ken dropped out of school at 15 or around 8th grade and was largely considered illiterate. And he worked odd jobs from raccoon hunting. He became known around the town as a raccoon hunter. And then he also did construction jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, Setting the stage. On one of these construction jobs, a large piece of steel fell on him. <gasps> and that left him with chronic pain. He was also possibly hit on, hit on the head in the same time. No. And that could have whacked something in his brain. Make That's him, it. Multiple make him think no head good. Head injuries and head injuries, man. He also saw a report that he fell off a wagon when he was a kid and had had a steel plate in his head. I only saw that one place. I'm not sure how credible that is. <laughs> As he grew up, he uh, grew to be around six feet tall and was about two seventy. In either by nature or nurture, he got that big. Two seventy. Yeah. Wow. Um, but he had expressed interest or he'd wanted to be that type of person that you see him walking down the street and you're just like, I don't... Oh, that's a big boy. I don't want to mess that's with that guy. That's a big man. And that's what he got. With a male name like Rex. Uh, but, 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 although he, you know, didn't go to school very long and also had like chronic pain problems, he was able to make a good amount of money through leasing his farmland around his house as well as raising dogs. And then he also... Uh, Got into a little bit of cattle and hog rustling. Rustling? Wrestling? Stealing. What? Cows and hogs from surrounding peoples. He just like crept in the night and took people's uh-huh. pigs. He also... How uh, do you take a pig without anyone knowing? I don't know. How do you make it stop making noises? Apples. Are you just like, hey, hey, let's go. Let's go. He also stole gasoline, grain, alcohol, and antiques. Wow, Jesus. Mm-hmm. How did no one find out that all their stolen things were ending up in one place? And although everyone kind of knew we was Ken. <laughs> okay, they did. Everyone knew Ken was doing but it. But it was Ken. But, uh, he was never convicted on any of these boy. things. Throughout his life, Ken was charged with 21 different crimes. Um, he was able to get off due in part to the fact that somebody like was gonna testify against them or something he would just sit outside their house he would just stare at them and intimidate them he'd be like you're next he also had a hotshot fancy lawyer from kansas city named richard mcfadden (laughs) who may or may not have worked for the mob (gasps) and yeah through either the witness intimidation or his lawyer he was never able to get charged with any of his crimes um so yeah Gas went missing, a cow or a pig went missing, 
the cow. Nobody's gonna. Nobody's like, I know it's Ken, but I'm not gonna do anything about it because he's just gonna get off. And what's you, the point? You keep saying the term "get off," and I'm like thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> um. They're also. He was. Ken was more than open about his willingness to be like. Cop comes around me. I'll shoot him. I don't care. Dang. And people were just like, fine. We'll let Ken do whatever he wants. Ken does what Ken wants. Um, he can do it. I can wreck it. My name's Ken Rex. Close enough. I'm gonna wreck it. I'm gonna wreck it. So aside from the petty theft, he was also charged with the destruction of property, um, assault, and shooting at least two people. Oh. Not killing him. No. Um, one of those instances, Ken was involved in an altercation where he shot a local farmer named Romaine Henry. <laughs> I don't know what he grew. <laughs> what? Uh, hey, what's for dinner tonight? Also, I'm pregnant. I don't know. Romaine. Let's name them both. <laughs> it's nothing like a, a head of Romaine for dinner. Um, Ken was on... Romaine's land <laughs> and when Romaine was like you gotta get off my land Ken shot him in the stomach with buckshot and he killed him nope oh wow that's some hearty Romaine yep Ken was also known to be a womanizer around town what who wants to get with that fathered at least 15 children who from multiple women who uh-huh. um and uh-huh. as a result he, some of his 21 charges included rape and statutory rape. Oh, my God. As he had a penchant for young girls. <gasps> 13 to 14 was his preferred age. How old is he when he's... Um, We'll get to it in like the next bullet or so, but he ends up marrying a couple of these girls. Oh, my God. And at the time, he's like 23 years older. Older? Mm-hmm. Not 23 years old? No. Wait, and also, so some most... Some of his children are not consensual acts that really... I didn't see one where the other I just saw he fathered up to 15 kids. It's disgusting. Yeah. So, like, right now, 15 kids, the population's, like, 400. It's, like, like jumps by, like, 5% He's, like... No, he's... 400 people. 5% of the population is him. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or his or genetics. His, wait, plus his 15 siblings, 30 out of 400 people are his relatives. At least. At least. Yeah, I don't think they had any family in the area, too, because they moved to Skidmore, so I don't know. They... 30 out of 400. All right, well, that's a good genetic pool. So in the instances of uh, like statutory rape, he would marry his victims, so they couldn't testify against him. Why would they marry him? It was and like they're thirteen. Did their fathers just give them away or whatever? Basically, it was like, I'm gonna marry your daughter so she doesn't testify him against me, or I'm gonna cause you bodily harm. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Psycho. And one of the this is in the thirties. He was born in the thirty. No, he's born in forty. Uh, dyslexia. He was born in thirty four. Okay. Yeah. In one of these instances, he married a 14-year-old named Trina McLeod. Um, she was 12 when Rex or Ken first met her. You can call him Rex. That's fine. I won't say no. Uh, and shortly after meeting her, he uh, 
made her his third or made her his third wife. Words don't work to go there, but it's a good thing he's got such a good lawyer with all these divorces. Mm-hmm. And that comes into question too, because some of his marriages, quote unquote, were overlapping, so they don't they aren't technically legal. No. It's just a functional marriage. It's mm-hmm. not a it's legal just, marriage. It's just like you're married to me, so you can't testify against me. So it's like when I make a form and I put you down as like check the box for like a partner. Like we're not like paying taxes together, but you know. Um, his first two wives, Sharon and Alice, um, he was accused of abusing, and I'm sure that he also abused Trina. So he, he met Trina when she was 12, and then by 14, he was quote-unquote married to her, and he had a child with her. Gross. Shortly following the birth of their child, Trina would attempt to leave Ken and go back to her parents' house. However, her parents' house would end up burning down. <gasps> this was allegedly done by Ken. He allegedly burned down their house and shot their family dog. Uh, as the years went on, Alice and Trina, two of his wives... Became BFFs. I mean, maybe. They say that Ken wasn't as bad as people say oh. he was. Like, he was crazy, but he he wasn't as bad. We were treated okay. Brainwashed. And by brainwashed, I mean scared. And, yeah, burned down this house, shot the family dog. Police officers really, really weren't going to do anything about that. Just because... Is that a crime at that time even? Probably not. Arson? Well, the arson, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Property damage? Mm. They called dogs property back then. So, yeah. Well around great guy so far, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On April 25th, 1980, Evelyn Sumi, the store manager, store manager of Ernest... Sumi? Barely nowhere. Yeah. The store manager of Ernest Bo Bowenkamp's general store <laughs> asked Trina and Ken's seven-year-old Tanya to pay for or return some candy she had taken without paying for. Aww. And uh, Ken found out about this and he's like, this is bullshit. What? Um, you can't talk to my kid like this. Is <sighs> How dare you? <sighs> um, so following this, Ken started to uh, stake out the Bowenkamp family's house. Just to like, I see you. you. Mess with me. Or mine. I'm going to get you. Wow. That's really bizarre. So this continued for a couple months. And on July 8th, 1980, Ken drove to the back of Bo's store and pulled a gun on him and attempt to like threaten him or intimidate him. And it went wrong. Well, yeah. Or right. Ken, Rex. Shot bow near point blank in the neck with a shotgun. Bow survives. What? Bow, my man. How though? It was about three inches from his head, apparently. What? I, just, I don't. Shot in the neck, and I don't and, know. And he blocked it, and he somehow kept breathing. I and... Don't know. Wow, what a cat with nine lives. Unfortunately, for Ken Rex. This was like, now we got to do something about this. So he's arrested for attempted murder. And in August 8th, 1980, a trial that was set, but, you know, the usual tricks 
up his sleeve. I got this fan- fancy pants lawyer and intimidation of the witnesses and family mm-hmm. and stuff. Ba, 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 ba. Under my understanding, he didn't really ever interact like face to face. Like, I'm going to come and beat you up. I'm just going to sit here and stare, intimidate That's you scarier. from the road. That's scarier. On by one a lot. instance, he got out of his truck and fired a shotgun into the tops of the trees above their house. Killed a squirrel. Maybe. Fell on the doorstep. Yeah. Blood everywhere. And then, yeah, because he has the big, fancy, possible mob lawyer, he was able to delay his trial by like half a year somehow. Legal wrangling. Hmm. So on June 25th, 1981, the trial comes around to begin. Um, but in that interim, between like the six months delay, the lead prosecutor had left his job either because Rex had intimidated him to quit or whatever. But a new prosecutor comes on and he has just got out of law school like three years ago. So he's, he's shiny and green mm-hmm. and excited and says, I got this. I can take this bully down. Yeah. And he was. He was able to convict uh, Ken on a lesser charge of second degree assault with a max sentence of two years. (laughs) And (laughs) Ken was free on bail for $40,000. Who paid it? Uh, I would imagine the fancy pants lawyer. Mm. Um, He was able to convict him because he knew that he was going up against this lawyer that was like almost never lost who's like i'm not gonna go for attempted murder i'm gonna go for like willing or knowingly attempting to seriously harm somebody and because i guess the requirements to meet that are much lesser he was able to convict him on that Hmm. lesser charge Hmm. and at least get him to see some time yeah hopefully a little baby minute wind yeah um but Ken was certain he'd be able to get free after an, an appeal. He was quoted as saying, I'll never go to jail. I've been like fighting the law for 32 years, like since I was 18, and I'm damn near 50 now. So, you know, he's just gotten off a win or a loss, depending. He's dep- gotten off. Yeah, multiple times. This is like the fourth time he's gotten off. I don't know how. One how would how would you take it? Giving his life experience, would this be a win or a loss? A loss. Him? Yeah. What is it in his mind? Yeah, like he shot somebody at, intending to kill them, but he got convicted on like. No, he's. I think he thinks that the fact that he got convicted at all is like a. It's like he didn't. Yeah. I fuck you. Yeah. Okay. Um. Going with that, he went to the bar to get a to get a drink. Yeah, sad drink. Yeah, angry drink. Yeah, not sad, not sad. He doesn't do sad. No, uh, angry drink. So he's like leaving his house. He's got his keys, his wallet, his shotgun, his bayoneted rifle, his bayoneted rifle. Uh huh. And he goes into the bar and he's having a drink, and he's just like yelling obscenities, saying like, "I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna he's kill Bo." Yeah, of course. He's like verbally describing how he's gonna kill Bo. Yep. Um, so he's arrested for that. He goes in for maybe an hour, maybe a little bit more, and he's back out. Yeah, and he's like, words are words, man. I didn't do anything. The only thing that happened is his hearing day got moved moved to July 20th. He violated his... Uh, Don't carry your bayoneted rifle rule. Yeah, he had a weapon, so he violated that condition. 
Um, that following day, July 10th, so he was in the bar on July 9th, and July 10th, a group of 60 people, including the mayor and the sheriff, met up at the local Legion Hall to, to talk about their, like, legal options of how we can, like, stop... Bring Bo down. How we can stop Rex from, like, hurting anyone else or killing Bo. Oh, Bo, right, yeah. Rex. Sorry, Ken. Yeah, yeah. Don't bring Bo down. Bring Bo up. The sheriff was like, we could start a neighborhood watch. <laughs> no, we didn't. Yeah. That's how this started. The little man with the hat and the do-do-do with the collar, like mm-hmm. the Carmen San Diego outfit. Yeah, that's where uh, this Skidmore. Is not, that's not the... It, Skidmore, Missouri. No, it's not. No. That's not the origin. <laughs> okay. Um, People were just like fed up. Like the cops like saying we should have neighborhood, neighborhood watch and that's as far as they're going. They're like, what's the point? Phil from like Posey Lane goes, I lost three cows to Ken Rex. And then Marianne down the street is like, my prize pig, my prize pig. Meg from around the corner was like, my prized Utica club tray. <laughs> what? Antiques. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Then people started hearing that Ken and Trina were going to the bar to get drinks and, you know. Why is Trina still with that dirtbag? She probably feels that it's safer to be with him than leaving. And- yeah, that's fair. Other people getting involved. Fair. So the meeting broke up and they went over to the bar. All of them? All 60 of them? All 60 of them. Whoa, we got a full riot on our hands. Some town members went this in. This is a Skidmore riot of 19... Uh, something or other. 1981. 81. Yep. Some town members went in. Some people just around outside and just like waited for Ken to finish up his wow, drinking. that's pretty brutal. I'm not going to lie. So they got. Did they Ken, attack him? Ken and Trina got back into their car, and somebody in the mob drew a gun <gasps> and fired on Ken. <gasps> and Trina was able to escape through the help of uh, some residents, and they, she was brought over to the bank just to get Stop. get out of the way. Uh, Ken was shot twice and killed. Wow! And at forty-seven, he was dead. That's it. Yeah. Justice from the neighborhood. Uh, two types of rounds were found at the scene, all, and notably, after the shooting, nobody called an ambulance. Oh my! Everyone God. just was like, "All right, problem solved. Go back to work. Do whatever you're doing. Look the other way. The sheriff was there. Yeah. <gasps> what? And everyone's like, "Nope, we're done. We did what we came to do. Uh, Vigilantes." In the following police investigations, nobody but Trina came forward about the incident like to say, like, I saw this happen because reportedly Trina turned around and saw somebody pull the gun right. and fire, but Ken was in the front smoking, so he never saw what happened. That's wild. Wow. Uh, only a single suspect rose to the top of the list, uh, the co-owner of the bar that Trina, Trina and Ken were in. Uh, his name was Del Clements as being the shooter, but no warrants or charges ever came. The DA and the coroner were like, nah, we don't feel any, read, any reason to push push this any further than we have to. Amazing. Dale denied that a- accusation that he was a shooter um, up until 2009 when he died. And then he said it from beyond the grave? No. Oh, bummer. Um, nobody in town talks about the incident. It's just like, that happened? <laughs> the shooting of 1981. Nobody, it's like, it's not fully believed that the meeting they determined we're going to go over there, we're going to kill them ourselves. Right. So they some, just happened. Yeah, somebody just pulled a gun at some point. It's like, I'm 
no, well, I'm doing this. <laughs> the FBI got involved, found nothing. Didn't really care. Trina filed a wrongful death suit against the town, the sheriff, the mayor, um, Dell, and some other people um, in 1984. She was asking for $6 million, but she only got 17000 mm. um, In 1981, when giving an interview, she said that the fire at her parents' house was just faulty wiring, that Ken didn't actually start the fire. It was just like it happened, that coincided. Yeah. Um, she moved away from Skidmore and died in 2012 when she was 55. So Ken was 23 year old, 23 years older than Trina. Right. So she, he would have been seventies. Um, and the lawyer, Gene McFadden never outwardly denied being a mob lawyer and he died in 2012 also. Hmm. But that is the story of Ken Rex. That's crazy. McElroy. You don't hear a lot of vigilante. And the town that just the killed a man. The 60 people that were all on the same page. And we're just like. We're done with having to deal with this guy. We collectively decided this was fine. Yeah. He was just being an asshole to everybody. So there was some he s- never actually killed anybody, though. No. I mean, but, I mean, he probably ruined some people's lives, shooting oh, them yeah, in the neck sure. and the stomach. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. And taking their prize pigs and cows. Mm-hmm. And antiques. But I like a lot of this information. I came from a, a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode. What's unsolved about it? They never found out who oh. killed him. Right. I was wondering what you were listening to. Huh. That was a... And then I believe there's... I can't remember fully. I think it's the town that saw nothing. It was like a mini series running on AMC. Cool. That's crazy. That was a wild, wild ride. So it's also believed because there were two types of ammunition found that there were two shooters, but there were only only that one guy, Dell, only ever rose to the top of being a really strong possible shooter. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> we have a write-in, strange thing, that folks, folks uttered from my brother-in-law, John. You ever said his name? I don't know. My brother-in-law, John. From New York. Singling you out. <laughs> There's only one John in New York. And it's you, buddy. Um. Now that's what happens. Once somebody dies, you can take that name. Now that Ken Rex is, died, is dead, someone else can be Ken Rex. Yeah. Um. This is so long. But I almost feel like it does it justice because he spent so much time writing this out. That I, I need to just read it. And I'm a good reader, so it'll go okay. I'm not. Right. <clears throat> he titles it John's Run In with a Wealthy Ground Bread Eater. Ground bread? What does that mean? I walked into the pharmacy to grab Ellen's prescription. There was only one guy in front of me in the line but only one employee, and I could tell he was going to be a while. He was wearing camouflage pants, a weird jacket. It was like 90 degrees outside, and green-tinted sunglasses where you can still see his eyes. They were trying to get his prescription in order, and he was quite fidgety and had what looked like possibly a hamburger in his hand. Like you don't know standing behind a man, and you're like, what? Is that a hamburger? 
There was the typical background music going on. And he said, wow, this is a great song. Wait, don't tell me who is singing. Let me guess. I know this. He kept swaying back and forth, looking around while I did my best to avoid eye contact. Eventually, he looked at me and then the clerk and said, I know who this is. It's a black lady and she's fantastic. A beautiful black woman singer. But what's her name? Great fucking song, man. The clerk was black and just kept working. (laughs) At this point, she asked him for his insurance card and he handed her some random plastic that might as well have been a gift certificate to the movies. She actually tried to use it for a minute. Then she asked if he could provide a real insurance card, at which point he pulled out five cards from his pocket, held them out, and said, pick a card, any card. Any card's a winning card. Not good of odds. Once he gave her a proper insurance card that somehow he found, he continued to eat what I thought was a hamburger, but turned out to be just a piece of bread. The bread had some red color on it, I realized, like it was from a meatball sub, perhaps. He kept ripping pieces into his mouth and looking at me. He fi- and I, when I finally looked back at him and the bread, he stared at me through the sunglasses and said, "You know what? This is amazing bread. Mmm, this is the best fucking bread I've ever had in my life. Mmm, you want some, man?" And reached out to me with it. I didn't say much. I didn't say much back, but maybe mumbled, "No thanks, I'm good." He continued, guess what? I found this bread on the ground. Someone just left it there, and I don't get it because this is fucking amazing bread. I've got plenty of money, you know? I can buy myself bread, but why not have this bread when it's free? I have lots of money. I nodded and gave him credit for finding some good bread on the street. (laughs) The employee continued to type things into the computer and said he needed to pay some amount of money for whatever it was he was getting. He asked if he could have his prescription and come back later to pay her. Then he ate some more bread and looked back at me and repeated it was the best fucking bread he had ever had in his life, man. I was holding a 12-pack of Bud Light this entire time and decided to pay for it at the main counter. Ten minutes later, I came back to the pharmacy and he was still in the waiting area. The bread was finished, I guess, but he still didn't have his prescription. I left with Ellen's prescription and my beer, and I never did try the bread. A good one. (laughs) That's the best thing ever! Listen, the storytelling is half of that. We'll all recognize. Mm -hmm. But that's got to be the best STFU we've ever had. No joke. We've had some pretty good ones. We've had some pretty shocking ones. But the the story, this is why we want people to write in. Because we... Because we tell them and... Something's lost in translation when we do it. But this is the greatest thing to have ever happened. This stream of consciousness, exactly what has happened, situation that I just read out, that's this life. That's it. Please do that. And it's also the things that people determine are important. Yeah. No. It's like he's like writing, keeping, or keeping track of details that other people might not necessarily Yeah. focus on. He should have tried the bread. It was good bread. The best he's ever had. Right off the ground. But he has lots of money. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, John. Thank you yes, for writing you. it down. I know it took you a while to want to do it because it was a long story and you get tired after work or whatever. But we or, appreciate or whatever. it. Or whatever. Dismissively. <laughs> or whatever. But thank you for writing into us. And listeners, if you want to write into us, you have a way. You can hit us up at sadtalespodcast at gmail.com. 
yeah, write in your STFUs. You can also be reached through uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at that same handle, Sad Tales Podcast. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So thanks for joining us back after our little sabbatical. Um, we took a slight sabbatical on our secondary channel as well, which is uh, Strange... Supernatural Tales. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> We took a sec, um, a mini sabbatical on a secondary channel, which is Supernatural Tales. For you, for you, for you. Which is on our Patreon page. So if you are interested in hearing very like twenty-ish to thirty-ish minute episodes where we just cover something kind of weird and obscure and out of the normal, please feel free to go over to www patreon.com slash sad tales podcast to find our patreon page you can sign up on a few different levels and get access to our secondary channel where we have our second episode that comes out bi-weekly yes yes you also get fun extras like christmas is coming and we're sending out christmas cards with yumi and callisto it's gonna be great we gotta have a photo shoot anyway thanks for coming back episode 27 and there's one thing you should always keep in mind to spread the sad tales love tell a friend or a foe or anyone you know bye